And now, as the dice roll, brought to you today by Lorndon Fizzy Beverage. We love them, so of course, you will too. Previously on Cautious Optimism. So the stuff gave him the power to move things with his mind? Tell your boss that I would be very interested in purchasing some more stuff, and I'll be contacting him shortly to do exactly that. What's the password? Captain, what's this week's password? Crap, it's jellyfish. It's jellyfish. (laughs) Jellyfish. We're going to make a fortune. I'm going to go about uh, securing a lot more product from the planet. Wait a minute. Uh, you don't think this is a bad idea, ultimately? Why couldn't it just make them high? Why couldn't it just make them more <laughs> snacks? Roll down a hill, sleeping. I don't... Why is life complicated? <laughs> it's supposed to be a simple drug deal. Hello, Cautious Optimism. Aurora Borealis Shand. A human woman. I'm not interested in, in selling this ship. She has a huge smile on her face. She was, she's very important to me. Hank Crawford. Engineers. Bad news, good news. Uh, bad news, fuel leak. Coming and going from the spaceport. Good news, I found duct tape. Cayenne Brunt. A mator. I am a doctor. A nine foot tall, four armed creature. I don't care if they call me, hey, you, just let me do my job. Rico. Humanoid. I'm observing you. Cat person. It's for science. Toss. A slimy, gelatinous. Mm, What are you hauling? Goo thing. Thank you, Cautious Optimism. Welcome to the station. And unfortunately, Beej won't be here this week. He's told me he's got a lot going on in his, in the rest of his life. He may not be able to play with us for some time, but we're going to keep a seat at the table. Beej, you're always welcome to come back as soon as you're ready to. All right. So we are waking up the next morning and people saw the scary news report. Well, I don't know if it was scary, but whatever. You're off to see the bug wizard. Yeah, so I imagine we picked up the Zat body or whatever, like, and packaged it up because we were probably playing with it in our own little lab. So we've sort of packaged it up to take to the Bugman. What's the Bugman's name again? Farless Tiss. Okay. So you guys find yourself the appropriate hypertube and you hop in and you've kind of mastered hypertube travel by now. So it is no problemo to uh, get to his laboratory. So the Hypertube pops you out in front of a gigantically tall building. It is a hundred stories tall. It goes up above the clouds. It is made of the shiniest, sparkliest metal you have ever seen in your life. And the people walking in and out of the building, they're wearing like white robes on top of their circular bodies. 
And it's the first time you've seen people walking around where they weren't all like talking at each other. Everyone walking in and out of this building, they're holding data pads and things, and they seem preoccupied with their own thoughts and materials. Presumably there's like a reception desk. Sure, yeah. So Rico's quite excited about going into the laboratory, so she goes bounding off in the direction of the reception desk. A young Lorndon, probably about 14, reminds you a lot of the recently deceased Tribus, is working the desk, and he looks at you and says, Hello, can I help you with something? Hi, um, I've got an appointment to see Farless Tiss, please. Oh, uh, let's see. He put down on the list that he was going to have some guests today, uh... Uh, he didn't mention your race. Uh, what What exactly, if, if I'm not being rude, what is your species name? Oh, uh, I'm a Felanius. We're, we're cat people. Felania? Yes. Fascinating. I'm not sure we've ever had a Felanian visit before. Would you do us a favor? We have a DNA scanner that anytime somebody of a new species comes into the building, we like to get a quick scan of them just for science. Would that be okay with you? Oh, yes, of course. I'm fascinated by DNA. All right. He looks around and says, the sentient slime person, you're also new. What are you? And Hoss answers, oh, well, I'm Hoss. Um, he has some peculiar religious stuff going on. You might want to be careful with him. <laughs> oh, right. I'm a we don't show people our inside Deronian. <laughs> also, sometimes he drips. You might you might want to be careful. Oh, well, maybe. Oh, I would love to see your DNA, though, goo boy. You know what, though? That's fine. Well, maybe we'll scan you with hand scanners later. But yes, I'm sorry. Um, What was your name again? Rico. Oh, wow. Okay. Rico, yes. It says Rico and friends on his uh, guest list. So go ahead, uh, please step into the, and he, he indicates to what looks like one of the body scanners they use at the airport, you know, that takes like a 3D picture. <laughs> um, but it's a little fancier and more sci-fi looking. Please, please step inside if you would. She steps in quite happily. She's looking at all of the buttons and you can see her kind of trying to resist the urge to press things and meddle with them. <laughs> There's a brief whooshing noise and a few sparkly lights, and then the machine powers down, and the voice from reception says, oh, you can step out now, thank you. Wow. You know, we have DNA samples from 347 different sentient species here. I think it may be the most comprehensive database in the whole League of Planets. Do you uh, share this information? Is this open source information? Oh, no, no. You have to be a member of the medical or scientific community to have access to this. Don't worry. We're not sharing your private DNA just willy-nilly. Kind of does a side glance to Rico because he thinks that both of them might be interested. You know, they are part of the scientific community, so they yeah. would be interested in this information. Well, maybe we'll speak to, uh, I've forgotten his name already, Farless. Maybe we'll speak to Farless about this. Am I allowed to see my own results? I'm curious as to sort of your format and what information you've gained. Well, you have to be a member of the scientific tribunal, or tribunal's a bad word, more of my great improv, the scientific <laughs> conclave. That's a cool sounding word uh, yeah. <laughs> here on the planet. 
How does one get to be a member of your conclave? Do you offer some kind of reciprocal membership for people off planet who are maybe members of their own conclave? Oh, well, you can contact the conclave and apply for membership. They look over your credentials, your degrees and whatnot, and any studies you may have published and papers you may have published and that sort of thing. And then they make a decision as to whether or not to admit you. Here, I can give you their contact information if you're interested in applying. Oh, yes, that would be great. Thank you very much. Beep, beep, boop. A little contact card appears on your space cell phone with uh, their information. Thank you very much. Oh, you're most welcome. Farlos Tiss's uh, laboratory is on floor number 278. The elevator's right over there if you want to head on up. Absolutely. And she sort of bounces off. <laughs> is it a normal elevator or a tube elevator? It's like a mini hypertube, like an indoor hypertube. <laughs> so she's now standing in front of it, realizing that she's got very far ahead of everybody else. And this is about to go badly wrong if she jumps into <laughs> the tube on her own. Are you all going to go up and follow your normal hypertube procedure? Definitely. Yeah. All right. The receptionist is watching you all as you get in and two of you are hugging and, and everything and <laughs> yeah. seems very curious about it. <laughs> he starts making a little note. Maybe you even overhear him say, note for future research, multi-species hypertubes. And off you go. And a few minutes, well, like a few seconds later, you are standing at the entrance to a very fancy looking scientific laboratory and an elderly Lorndon, who you can only tell is elderly because he's very wrinkly and kind of leathery skin, starts walking over and says, oh, hello, hello. You must be uh, Rico and, and uh, you've brought me a dead bug. Yes, yes, I have. It would not occur to her to introduce the rest of you. Uh, so she just immediately starts like unpacking the bug and sort of thrusting it at the chap. While she is unpacking, Kyan steps up and says, I'm Dr. Kyan Brun and very pleased to meet you. Oh, a Dr. Matorb. Fascinating. Where did you attend medical school? Would they even let you on your home planet? Oh, well, certainly not on my home planet, but I graduated from the... Leo Planet's major college, and it was quite the process to be accepted there, but I did graduate with my degree and my license. Very good, very good. Good for you. I can only imagine some of the hardships you must have put up with. You know, I think a lot of Lorndons harbor a little resentance towards the Matorb, because you're one of the few species in the galaxy that have more arms than we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm eager to get a look at the sample. Would you like to come with Rico and I? And are there are the rest of your your party uh, science or, or medicine minded uh, as well? Uh, we're just boring space humans, um, except for the <laughs> slime guy. But we'd like to tag along since we're all part of the crew. I'm uh, Captain Shand, and this is Hank Crawford, and that's Hoss. Wow, Hoss. What species are you, Hoss? And Hoss answers, oh, I'm a slimazoan, and I am a practicing, we don't show our insides to Peepolonian. <laughs> so you cannot scan me because it will steal my soul. <laughs> and he just looks at Hoss for a moment and says, uh, Captain Shand, you've put together a remarkable, <laughs> a remarkable crew. <laughs> You're welcome. Come. Come, come with me. Come with me. <laughs> I like to think she just like nods really wearily. And, like, 
<laughs> Fucking tell me about it, dude. <laughs> All right. He leads you into another room. And uh, well, the rest of his lab has been really bright and shiny and kind of like medically clean. You know how like hospitals are cleaner than anywhere else in the world? His lab is like that. But he leads you into a room that is a little bit darker than the rest of the laboratory. And it smells bad. And it's a little bit messy. And you realize it is covered all over the place, littered with the carcasses of zats. Uh, Some of them look like they have been almost blown up. Others look almost unharmed, but they're dead. There's whole bunches of them in various states of decay. Most of them have been chopped up into all kinds of dissected components. And he leads you over to an operating table and he says, please put the specimen here on the table. You warned me that you had already done some cutting on them. So that's okay. A lot of the specimens I get have been damaged quite heavily before they get here. So that's fine. Yes, it looks like you have a a speciality in the the ZAT study. Oh, yes. Would you be interested in sharing some of your learning? Oh, very much so, yes. Zats are one of my two major scientific interests. It is my hope to, A, find a way to prevent them from coming aboard our ships and causing damage. And two, I would love to integrate Zat DNA, specifically their ability to metabolize minerals for sustenance, into a sentient being. So that we could easily colonize rocky, mineral-rich planets. How great would it be? We send a colony ship into a rocky, barren world that has a lot of mineral deposits. And they don't need to bring tons and tons of food or figure out how to grow plants on a barren wasteland that has no life. You know, those are huge obstacles. What if they could just go there and eat the rocks that they're mining? It would be so much easier. That's a fascinating idea. Do you do you do a lot of sort of gene splicing and develop that kind of uh, de- uh, adding characteristics to to your native animals? Is that something that's common on this planet? Oh yes, yes. We've done some very advanced work with genetic manipulation. We've had some very promising results. I specifically would like to be remembered as the man who blessed society with the ability to eat rocks. <laughs> That's very interesting. And is exploring new planets something that your society is interested in doing? You're not content just to stay on this planet? Well, we don't go off-world. As Lorndons, we don't go off-world all that often, but obviously we're interested in the you know greater galactic situation and, and all life in the galaxy. And there were many, many species who do like to brave new frontiers and worlds. And if we could mm. develop some tools to make that easier for them, I think that would go a long way in helping us colonize the galaxy and, and bring us a, a step a step closer to the grand goal. Oh, what is your grand goal? Well, the grand goal, of course, is to evolve or genetically engineer or create to somehow become life forms of pure energy to shed the the body or this this mortal physical body behind and ascend to pure thought pure consciousness floating around the cosmos hmm. gosh that's a very that's a very lofty goal yes well obviously i won't see that in my lifetime 
But eating rocks, maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> is this your sort of societal goal? Is this a, or is it a religious sect, perhaps, that has this goal? Or is it just the scientists? The scientific community pretty much is, is in agreement that that's the ultimate goal. But eh, the less scientifically minded people may not all share that goal. But, you know, that's okay. If at some point in the future, we do develop the ability to become beings of pure energy and pure thought, if some of us wish to stay behind in physical bodies, oh, they can do as they like. Hmm. So you're going to need to develop some kind of uh, sort of psychic abilities then. Which leads me to my other major scientific interest, psionics. Do you have a moment for me to uh, show you the foundation of my psionic theories? Of course. Oh, good. Good, good, good. I'll warn you, while my genetic engineering is fully endorsed by the scientific community, psionics are looked upon a lot more negatively you understand in some places in the League of Planets, it's illegal to have psionic powers. And even here on Lorinda, psionics are frowned upon. So this research is not widely accepted, and it's been difficult to obtain funding for. But luckily, I'm able to take a lot of the resources I use on the ZAP science, and I'm able to kind of funnel that towards the psionics research. Mm. Funding, yes, I quite understand. Yeah, you as a scientist, you've probably run into that as well, right? Yes, yes. It's difficult to get foolish people to invest in true groundbreaking science. Yes, I left my planet because of it. Anyway, moving on. Really? What were you trying to study on your home planet? Bird people. The cats don't like the avians very much, unfortunately. They don't think it's a worthy goal of science to understand how the avian species works. Oh, fascinating. Have you had any success in studying them? Oh, yes, yes, I've done lots. And she starts flicking through her notepad that you've seen her with constantly. Uh, yes, look, I've got uh, lots and lots in here. But, uh, but do tell me all about your psionics. Okay, well, here, let me show you something. This is a very simple test, sim very simple experiment. You don't even need any scientific materials or tools or anything for a watch. And he leads you all over to the cafeteria. <laughs> and he gets himself a beverage. And then he leads you guys out of the cafeteria into the room right next door. And he opens a little cabinet and there's a monitor in there showing a live feed of the kitchen area that you guys were just in. And he says, now watch this. You see, there's two Lorndons in the kitchen right now. And one of them's eating some kind of a pastry. Kind of looks like banana bread or an ugly spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's just reading his data pad, right? Nobody's drinking any beverages, but... I have a beverage in my hand. Watch what happens. He takes a long sip and swallows, and he takes a second sip. And then the person with the data pad sets the data pad down, gets up, and gets themselves a beverage. And they go back, and they start reading the pad, and they take a sip of their beverage. And then the science guy that you're with, he takes a sip, and the other person takes a sip almost at exactly the same time as him. And then the other person in the room goes and gets themselves a beverage as well. And after a few more sips, every time your scientist friend takes a sip, both of the people in the kitchen also take a sip at the same time. Mm, this is very interesting. Is this some kind of sort of psychic suggestion? How are you, uh, what, what's the mechanism here? I believe that all Lorndons have a latent 
psionic ability deep in our primitive brain. And at some point, evolution stopped developing it. I don't know why. Perhaps we had psionic powers in the past, but there's something in the physical structure of our brain that lets us send these kind of low-level suggestions to each other specifically around eating and drinking. We have many tales. And he looks at your tale and says, I I apologize. Um, (laughs) Many stories, I should say, about how everybody eats at the same time, everybody drinks at the same time. We actually thought it was quite peculiar when we met alien life forms to discover that many people within the same species like different foods. All Lorndons like the same foods and the same drinks. Nobody here ever says, oh, I don't like this. And somebody else says, this is my favorite food. That doesn't happen with Lorndons. Wow. If I like this, everyone else will like it. Gosh, that's fascinating. She's, you can imagine that she's taking huge quantities of notes whilst all this is going on. <laughs> sure, sure. And the way he responds to you taking notes all the time, he acts like that's perfectly normal. Like <laughs> expected behavior. Which it is in the scientific community. Absolutely. And he says, so I speculate that if we could come up with the right stimulus to take that primitive part of our brains and ramp it up, you know, give it a big dose of adrenaline, but not actual adrenaline, just something to, you know, maybe electrify or amplify something to stimulate that part of our brain, we have the potential to have psionic abilities. And to me, for pursuing the grand goal, psychic powers, telekinetic powers, these seem like an important part of leaving the physical body behind. It's infuriating that I'm not able to obtain the funding and the blessings of the scientific community to pursue that. Gosh, that's very interesting. So the captain leans in and says, so just not to to rain on, on your parade here, but couldn't that also be dangerous if you were to stimulate these powers? I mean, like, how could you keep people from, I don't know, robbing banks or using their mind to shoot you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, as a human, your species understands better than most the dangers of developing advanced technology. It it almost destroyed your species and it did destroy your home world, basically. Right. Obviously, when you develop a new technology, it can be used for great harm or for great good. But as a scientist, it's not my place to judge the morality of how the technology is used. I figure out every puzzle I solve, every challenge. I invent everything I possibly can. Then it is up to the galaxy to decide how this knowledge is used. Don't you agree, Rico? Well, yes. I mean, that is how science works, isn't it? Do you think it's some kind of quantum entanglement? Do you think it's something on the quantum level? I've wondered about that as well. In fact, I have several theories that all telepathic and telekinetic powers might be related to some kind of quantum science in some way. The brain's ability to affect probability on a quantum level, something along those lines. Mm, That does sound like a working theory, yes. It is fascinating. But most of my research into this field delves into trying to find what could amplify the psionic centers of our minds. So far, I can't even prove that uh, such a center exists. I mean, I have these little drinking and eating 
experiments, but that's not enough to convince anybody. So, hmm, fascinating. Yes. Anyway, but the reason you were here was to uh, study some some zats. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Let's go cut on some bugs. She'll unpack the bug onto the operating table as directed. He says, "All right, well." Kayun and Rico, would you like to assist me in dissecting this creature? Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so uh, Hank and I will stay out here, outside of the, the dirty lab, and sit here in these nice clean chairs and, and wait for you guys. Captain, I was thinking, since the great scientist here was not kind enough to get us a beverage, maybe we could go get a beverage ourselves. Yeah, that's true. That's an even better suggestion. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm, I am... Sorry, I am so concentrated on the science. It didn't even occur to me. Uh, your company. Yes, of course. Go help yourself to some space coffee. It's extra green today. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and there is television. I think there might be some board games. I don't know what you non-science people do with your time. Well, I, I normally tinker with things myself. Oh. I usually just rail against <laughs> rail against the the feeble feeble rages of time. Yeah, we'll be in the cafeteria. <laughs> okay, okay, yes, very good, very good. <laughs> and uh, you guys go back to dissecting this uh, dead zat. Yeah, there's nothing sus about this guy's research. Hello. I'm Joe Hogan, the editor of As the Dice Roll. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of Cautious Optimism. So, we're getting a little out of sync here on Cautious Optimism. Up until now, all the odd episodes have been the first half of our recording sessions, and the even episodes have been the second half of our sessions. But, when we recorded episode 15 and 16, we had some technical difficulties. So while episode 15 was fine, you just listened to all of what should have been episode 16. But I am not leaving you with a 22-minute episode. So, we borrowed a little of episode 17 to give you a second act. I bring this up for two reasons. One, it gives you an intimate look into the fascinating world of As the Dice Roll editing. And two, knowing that the second half was recorded on a different day will explain some of the inconsistencies. So, ultimately no big deal. But it may take a few episodes to get back to a place where we can provide you with a good 30 to 45 minute episode from the same recording session. So just giving you a heads up. Moving right along, we have a comment this week. Lyle McCarn said on our Slack channel, I am imagining a get in losers were going sciencing image with the crew, but with two humans, a gelatinous cube, a Machomp from Pokemon and the cat doctor from Star Trek Lower Decks. And then he went on to edit together an awesome image which we will be putting on our Instagram. Definitely go check that out. It's also in our Slack channel, so join that as well. And while you're there, you can say hello to our amazing cast who have podcasting lives of their own independent of our banana bread ship. To catch up with all the D&D shenanigans of Bamashock's King of the Heel, tune in weekly to twitch.tv forward slash Bamashocks, as well as the podcast feed King of the Heel. On episode 474 of Girls Gone Wow, Raven and EJ are discussing professions in the world of Warcraft, and after the big reveal of Rosie's reactions to Avengers Infinity War, you won't want to miss our conclusion to Ray's epic rewatch on this week's Geektitude. I still feel really bad. I feel partially responsible for breaking Ray's girlfriend. 
And as always, you can catch Kelly and her podcast, Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, and Todd on his show, Nerdberg Review. We would definitely love to hear from all of you. You can chat with us on our dedicated As the Dice Roll channel on the geek to geek Slack. We tend to plot around on Discord. And, of course, you can always email us at podcast at asthedicerollcast.com. Or if you want to leave us a voice message, you can do so by clicking on the link on our website, asthedicerollcast.com. And you can also check out our Twitter at asthedicerollrp or our Instagram at asthedicerollrp. That's it for me this week. Let's get back to the cautious optimism and see what's inside of that right after a quick commercial break. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. Kells and Hank are in the break room, passing the time, while Kayun and Rico are assisting... The scientist, Farlos Tis, and dissecting a Zat. Yeah. So let's start by having Rico and Kayun roll your science or medicine, something like that, to see how helpful are you in the dissecting. Okay. I don't have my character sheet open yet, but I just rolled a 10. So I'm pretty sure that's a success by at least three. Okay. And I wrote a nine, which is a success by four. Great. So we were really helpful. Really. You, helpful. Yeah. You, you were both successful at <laughs> being helpful. I also like that apparently I make you guys roll so infrequently that Joe didn't even open his character sheet up. He's like, <laughs> we're just going to be talking for 30 minutes. I won't need this right away. No, I just completely forgot. <laughs> I forgot I didn't have it open. I have like 50,000 tabs open right now, and that just wasn't one of them. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, so you guys are very skilled, and that makes sense. You're an accomplished scientist and an accomplished doctor. So you're very skilled and very helpful with the dissecting of the Zat. As you're going along, it takes several hours. And it seems like Farless is primarily interested with the digestive tract of the creature, which makes sense because he talked about wanting to study them to genetically engineer the ability to eat rocks (laughs) for sustenance into other life forms. He had talked about wanting to find ways to prevent them from getting on ships and stuff. But as you're actually watching him work, he seems to be pretty focused on just the eating rocks part of it. So you might assume that the whole trying to prevent them from getting on spaceships might be more of an angle to get funding. Because that's what would be interesting to the trading market and business community. 
But uh, anyway, you're making good contributions. Rico's like, oh, look over here. There's a gland that produces rock-melting acid. (laughs) Sorry, that's my impression of Rico. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't I don't really know what to say to that, actually. <laughs> Feel free to say some version of that in your own voice if you like. Uh yeah, I mean I think you've got it covered. Um <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> All right. And the forearms of Cayune are very helpful in holding back all of the organs and goopy bits that are constantly falling on top of what you guys are trying to look at. So it all goes very well. Meanwhile, in the break room, Rory Shan's space phone telephone starts to ring. I look around to make sure I'm not going to be disturbing anyone because I'm not that sort of rude person. And I answer it. Hello, did it go for Rory? Rory, this is Slorg. How you doing? Great news. Okay. The boss wants 200,000 lopsies worth of Tears of the Gods delivered right away. I need you back here on the station as quick as you can. Um, we, We're still having some ship difficulties, but I will definitely get to work on that and let you know what our ETA is. Oh, uh, is, is it going to take very long, do you think? I hope not. I hope it will be... As fast as possible. Hank and I are working incredibly hard at it at this moment. And I actually picture that she kicks me under the table to get my attention. <laughs> sloshing my coffee on the table there. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're right on it, Slug. Right on it. Okay. If you don't get here soon, I'll have to find another person to deliver the product. Understood, Slug. 100%. We, we will let you know the minute that we know. Okay. Beep, beep, boop. Ah. Oh, boy. We got to figure this out quick. (laughs) It's about noon as the autopsy and dissecting or what have you wraps up. And Farless leads you guys out of the room. And he's very excited. He's going, that was was extremely helpful. That that acid uh, sack that you found, Rico is a breakthrough. If we could genetically engineer a Lorndon or other sentient life form to grow that acid sac, then we have to reinforce the stomach lining so that it doesn't get burned through in the acid that melts rocks. But I wonder if it would be possible, and he's just going off, you know, on tangents, scientific tangents, and he's making notes. He's very excited. And he walks over to one of his computer stations, and he sits down and he starts typing on the computer, making notes, and basically ignoring everybody. Kyan thanks the professor and heads off to find Rory and Hank. Oh, oh, I forgot you were here. Yes. Oh, thank you very much. You've been very helpful. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And he goes back to his computer. I guess we go to the break room. Yeah. All right. Look, it's the science types. (laughs) Nerds. (laughs) <laughs> that's us what'd you guys find out well it's, it's very fascinating in the digestive system he's trying to make sure that uh, he's trying to work out how to get the um uh everybody to be able to to eat minerals and we had this fascinating thing with this uh with this acid sack um and rico will start going on unless you stop her <laughs> so i so I, I look at kyan what did we find out about the other thing 
Uh, we didn't find out much else about the other thing because they were there when they were talking about the the psionics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he, we didn't he didn't seem to say much else about the psionics thing. Okay, Slorg has contacted us, and the big boss has ordered a two hundred thousand lopsy shipment and wants us to be there asap to pick it up. So. We've got to figure out what we're going to do. I feel like we need to take this to some sort of authorities. Like, this is bad. But then what's the guild going to do to us if they find out we ratted people out to the cops? Well, this wasn't a guild-sponsored mission, was it? No. No, but I can't imagine the guild would be particularly happy if they discovered that that's the sort of people we might be. Well, here's the thing, though. We don't know how they feel about drug trafficking in general. Well, not only that, but if this creates a super population, that might not be good for business. True. How about this, just spitballing this idea out here? What if on our way to go collect the shipment, I contact the guild, let them know that there's this incredibly expensive shipment that's going through if they just happen to know someone who wants to come and steal it from us? Ooh. So it never makes it to, to Lorinda. I don't know. That might just be a stopgap and temporary solution. Yeah, because we can't do that to every shipment. And if our shipment doesn't go through, he's just going to find somebody else to do it. So the goal is we have to stop the Lordans from becoming gods, which is a sentence I never thought I'd have to say. (laughs) Who, other than just the general rest of the universe, would also be interested in keeping this from happening? Do the Lordans have any big enemies? Our adversaries in the galaxy. Oh, the Lorndans have been a part of the League of Planets for a hundred years. They're generally pretty well respected among the League. And outside of the League, they don't have any specific enemies. I mean, they were involved in different wars or skirmishes hundreds of years ago, but nothing that's really lasting. Is there like a committee, a council for the League of Planets? Sure, yeah. Yeah, there's a council for the League of Planets. So the way the League of Planets works is they don't have a strong central government as far as having government agencies and whatnot. It's a collection of planets that agree to generally work together. Mm -hmm. But when the council passes a law, say, making Tears of the Gods illegal, it's up to the individual planets to police that law and enforce it themselves. And there's been a lot of political push from some members of the League of Planets to create more authority for the centralized League government, while many of the planets see that as being, uh, that would encroach on their individual planets' authority and, and rights. So that's a battle, that's a struggle that's been going on for a long time. But as it sits, it's really up to the individual planets to enforce League policy and, and laws on their own. Yeah, I was curious myself if we thought going to the Lorndon authorities would be better. Because, you know, you got the crime lord is the one who's trying to make himself a psionic god. Right. We could just tell them drugs. We don't have to tell them god-making drugs. Well, I think that would be the point, wouldn't it? To be to tell them that this isn't just drugs. These drugs are turning them into psionic. Yeah, but the longer that people don't know that this is the reaction Lorndons have to this, the better. Mm. I see what you're saying. And if we go to them and they're like, great, we're going to all be gods now, then we maybe take it up 
to the legal planets? If we're not in prison. Oh. Yeah, the drug's already illegal, isn't it? So mm-hmm. there is that small hitch in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our illegal drug running activities accidentally caused us to like turn these people into gods. Like we we might not be uh particularly popular. <laughs> So, who on our crew can we blame for bringing the drugs to the planet? <laughs> oh, that's easy. Blame it on Hoss. Yeah, blame it on Hoss. <laughs> this escalated very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a fun little drug run through the galaxy on a ship shaped like a brick. And here's where we are. Here's where we are. Beach takes a few weeks off and we get his character imprisoned on a planet. <laughs> You're welcome to come back and play anytime. We might just <laughs> bring you from jail first. Well, also, out of all of us, who's the most likely to be able to get out of prison? Yeah. It'd be Haas. True. That's where my head's at. Oh, we could also only turn in half of him. Remember he, he split before? That's true. That's true. But I feel like something negative happens to him if he stays split for too long. Mm. Gosh, are you all talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) Hi! (laughs) (laughs) Haas, do you know what the highest form of flattery for your crewmates can be? It's called sacrifice. Come here, let me tell you a little bit about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the... Way we use sacrifice, it doesn't sound fun. Well, nothing worth doing typically is very fun. So, <laughs> to the whole group, Haas included, that's where I'm at. I don't know. I feel like we have to do something. We can't just deliver the drugs and get the heck out of Dodge. Well, what if, hear me out, what if we do deliver them and then just drop an anonymous tip to the authorities? That way, Slore gets paid, we get paid, and the shipment still gets stopped. Uh Uh-huh. Why don't we at least start heading back to the station? Because then, I mean, we've got the entire trip there to figure out what we're going to do, and we're going to have to go there anyway. True. True. That's fine. I've got my strange space coffee to go. And we probably shouldn't sit around having this discussion in, like, a break room in somebody else. <laughs> whisper, 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 gods. Whisper, whisper, yeah. whisper, psionics. <laughs> Illegal shipment of drugs. Yeah, maybe we should go back to the ship. So we're going to do that. So I'm fine with that. Let's start heading back. As you guys walk out of the laboratory, you're in the hallway leading to the mini hypertube that acts as an elevator in the building. And you notice there's a hover gurney and two people, two Lorndons wearing the white robes of the scientists are pushing the hover gurney towards Farlos Tiss's office, uh, his laboratory. And on the gurney is the body of your old friend, Tribus. And as they pass you in the hallway, they say, oh, excuse us. Pardon the smell. Uh, Excuse me. I'm sorry. What happened? Oh, oh. Uh, you're friends of Farless Tiss, right? Sure, yes. yes. Yeah, his experiments in genetic engineering often require the use of cadavers. He uh, experiments on converting their organs to do whatever his science project is. So whenever we get a dead body donated to science, he and a lot of other scientists, of course, are also on the list to receive them. But it's his turn today, so 
and can use this poor guy's body to do his science on. Hmm. All right. It was nice talking to you. Hmm. They push the hover gurney on past you and ring the little doorbell on Farless's uh, laboratory door. I believe there's a quadruple face palm. Um, yeah. <laughs> using all four for this one. So maybe we're running back to the ship. Yeah. That might be wise. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You very nonchalantly run. (laughs) As you guys are in the lobby of the scientific building, the receptionist who you'd spoken to earlier says, oh, oh, hey, I have that hand scanner now. I'd love to scan the DNA of your slimazoan. Do you have a do you have a few minutes? I look at Oz. It's up to him. We don't have a few minutes, but I'm not in a hurry. Yeah, scan me, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And the receptionist goes over and he takes out this giant hand scanner. It looks like a barcode reader at a retail store. And he starts slowly running it up and down, haunts his body. And he says, ooh, that tickles. (laughs) And the receptionist says, it does? You shouldn't feel anything. And Haas says, oh, Maybe that was something else then. And after a few minutes of thoroughly scanning Haas's slimy body, the receptionist says, this is fantastic. Oh, I'm going to be a hero for getting a DNA sample of a creature I don't think we've ever even heard of before. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, guys, do you think he just stole my soul? (laughs) Probably not. Oh, good. If I have a soul, I'd hate for it to get stolen. And we're back <laughs> heading towards the, the ship. I feel like we spent a lot of time just staring at Haas. Like, <laughs> yeah. all right, Haas. Okay, good, good. Moving on. Right. Yeah. So as you enter the uh, hangar bay where your ship is parked, make perception checks, please. Uh-oh. I got eight. I passed by three. Uh, which, yeah, passed by four. I'm pretty sure I failed. Oh no, I failed. Yeah, I I failed by three. By two. Y'all were looking at each other. <laughs> okay, so Rico, <laughs> with her cat-like vision, is the first one to spot. Uh, although Rory notices it uh, a moment after Rico does. There are some shadows that look like people hiding in the docking bay where your ship is parked. Okay, so I'm going to like grab the captain's um, there are people. I see it too. So I put my hand on my gun. I don't draw it. I just have my hand on it. We did bring our guns, didn't we? <laughs> oh, I think at this point we bring our guns everywhere. Okay. Well, Hank, I believe, specifically stashed his gun in the hidey hole on the ship. Yep. Ah, okay. So I've got my hand on my gun and I say, hey, come out from behind there. A Lorndon, and there are some other people still hidden, but one Lorndon comes out from behind a box, and he is wearing a skin-tight leotard. This one is a dark purple color, and he looks towards you, and he grins and says, Ah, you're sharper than I thought. Hi, let me introduce myself. I have my name written down on my list of notes here. It'll be just a moment. I am insert name here. Like, You're allowed to introduce yourself. <laughs> ah, yes. Okay. 
My name is Ippoltuz. I'm the leader of the 36 gang. I understand that you've recently supplied one of my enemies, the boss of a rival gang, with some very powerful stuff. And I'm here to make sure that you get me that same stuff. Ippoltuz, we're in a hurry. If you'd like to contact us once we've left the station... You're welcome to do so. Oh, I'm contacting you right now. I would like to be the exclusive recipient of this stuff in the future. Next time on Cautious Optimism. We want to be the exclusive recipients of the product from now on. We want you to tell us exactly what this product is how it works, where you get it from, and then we want to secure the next ship. You need to give me something, some kind of guarantee here. What, what were you thinking? What about a hostage? That four-armed fella could probably be real useful to us. You've been listening to As the Dice Roll. The As the Dice Roll intro music is The Soap Opera by James Bowers. You can find and license his music through Pond5 at Pond5.com. All the rest of the music in this episode is by Darren Curtis and can be found at DarrenCurtisMusic.com. The opening voiceover is by our very own Rob Sometimes. You can find his podcast at ComicBox.Libsyn.com. And the As the Dice Roll logo was created by Marcel Edwards. Check out her book, No Great Matter, at MSEdwards.com. As the Dice Roll is a proud member of the geek to geek Media Network. Check out other geek to geek shows, streams, and content at geek to geek mediacom If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to podcast at asthedicerollcast.com. Individual players and GMs, social media can be found on our website at asthedicerollcast.com.